And now check this. We all love a night out, right? You got to get after it. You got to get out. Maybe it's a date night. Maybe it's something else. And we all love to do different things. Maybe it's seeing your favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on your favorite team. With Vivid Seats, a brand new sponsor here, you can attend the concert, the show, or sporting event of your choice and do so at a great price. Here's what I like about Vivid Seats. It is the top source for tickets for all the live events that you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for the seats in the section and the row of your choice. And to make it even better, Vivid Seats is reaching out to you new customers and will give you a promo code, which will give you 10% off your first ticket order so you can save even more money. So what you want to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. First-time customers can enter the promo code RPO and receive 10% off your order. Once again, enter the promo code RPO and get 10% off your order. Every single purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Make sure you download that app and enter the promo code RPO. Get 10% off your first order on Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Vivid Seats. This is a great company with an awesome proposition. Check it out yourself. Vivid Seats. This is RPO, Rome Price Opinion. Now, here's Jim Rome and two-time Super Bowl champion, Trevor Price. Feeling great on a Monday. We are just pushing content. Monday is one of my favorite days. Why? We've got the RPO, our new podcast, Rome Price Opinion. I want to reset this very quickly. For the first time literally in my career, I am working with somebody. I've got a co-host, Trevor Price, 14-year NFL vet, two-time Super Bowl champ. My man has a bad attitude and great takes and stories for days. Trevor, what's up? Now, I did not hear from you until late in the weekend, and you told me you were playing hurt. What's up, man? How you feeling? Oh, my God. I'm pounding down water instead of Miller Lite for the first time on a Monday. I'm going to fight through your ass like you're Larry Allen. Let's do it, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> well, dude, if it'll make you feel better. If it'll make you feel better, you sound like shit. Oh, thanks, man. You're the best. Yeah. Love you, too. <laughs> All right, Trevor, let's get into this. Let's, why don't we start? With the Cleveland Browns. Now, I called them, quote, America's team yesterday on the NFL and CBS, and everybody outside of C-Town rushed in to kill me, and then they go out and they beat the Baltimore Ravens. They're 2-2-1, two, two, and one, Trevor. They could be 5-0. and oh. Let me ask you your thoughts on the Browns. Are they real or fake? Do you want to play them, or do you want nothing to do with them? Well, for, first of all, I mean, who's surprised by this? I, I mean— I, the Browns are 500. They're five or 501 with a tie, but like who's who's like going? Oh my God, this is such a big surprise. I don't, I don't think anybody's surprised by it. What are you talking the about? They're the Browns. That, Everybody is surprised by it. They're no, the Browns. I no, I know the, the Browns don't look surprised. I'm not. I'm, I'm watching the telecast yesterday. I'm watching uh, Red Zone yesterday. I'm watching other stuff. And it's like the Browns won. And other news. I'm like, wait a minute. Shouldn't we spend some times on the Browns winning? But I think people are moving on from it very quickly. Jim. It is hard to go 0-1-16. I mean, that is fucking difficult. It is easier to go 8-8 eight and eight than it is. I'm telling you, just on an NFL perspective, an NFL team, you have to be, like, incompetent and not know how to read 
to go 0-16. But Trevor, to make your but to make to make, to make to make to make my not, point, I'm not shocked by it. You just said it. It's not easy to go 0-16. You have to be really terrible to go 0-16. Yet they just beat the Ravens and they're at 500. Of course, it's surprising. Everybody's surprised no, by that. How can no, it be both? It's not. If, if you're an, if you're an NFL player, I'm telling you, Jim, if, it's not because look, the same guys the Browns had when they went 0-16, those guys could be playing for other teams. Right. So I'm not surprised. First of all, the quarterback is a grown ass man. And when they won that game, that kid stood there on the sideline like he didn't know. Like he was like, great. On to next week. There's something about that guy. And, and you know, they say he's a gamer and this that, and the other and the Baker Mayfield thing. He, he There's something about him where he, I don't know if he plays a chip on this. So I don't there's something about him where even in like the, the swirling chaos that my son says football is, he stays calm for some kind of reason, as small as he is. Hugh was the exact same way. First of all, Hugh didn't know the game was over, which is hilarious to me. But the, the fact is, when they won, he went on there and just hugged Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Flacco because that was his guy. And he hugged John Harbaugh. He wasn't jumping on down like they won the goddamn Super Bowl. There is something about this team that people need to pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, but Trevor, last to your week, point. Last Trevor, week to your I point. said they're 10 and 16 and needs to learn how to go 10 and 6. Yeah, but, okay, I want you to finish that thought in a minute because of what you just said. But Trevor, to your point, I think the reason Hugh was not freaking out was maybe he didn't know the game was over, but Baker Mayfield did. What is that, that it? Even, even you as somebody who played the game for 14 years at the highest level is having trouble explaining what it is. But Baker Mayfield has it. What does he have, and how does a young guy like that get the attention of vets and get them, when they've seen everything and done everything, how does a young guy like that get them to follow him into battle? I, I think his calm demeanor. You know what I mean? There's something about him. I mean, they put the camera on him after homeboy squibbed that goddamn kick through the uprights, and he just <laughs> stood there like, all right. like his brain, like He was trying to process what he has to do next and not the fact that his team – just won a game, and Cleveland Browns haven't won. They, they won none last year, and the two games they won have been directly his fault, right? So I think he's on a process. I mean, he comes from Oklahoma. He played a national championship last year. He's used to winning, so this is nothing new to him. I think that's what it is. The the, the Browns picked a five foot eleven quarterback, yes, but they picked a five foot eleven quarterback who's never really lost a football game. So he he looks at this differently as this like it's same old hat to me. And you can follow that guy. For that reason, you can follow him. Trevor, you made a really good living rushing quarterbacks, getting after quarterbacks. When you make that point that he's five foot eleven, does it matter so much anymore? I mean, you look at how big Drew Brees is. You look at Russell Wilson. You look at Baker Mayfield being six feet. Maybe does it matter? I, I'm, 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 I struggle with that. I really do because I'm six foot five and a half, six six with cleats on. And when I used to pass rush, the first thing I did when I got past the offensive lineman was put both my hands up so you bring the ball down so I can hit to you with the ball in your hands. And I don't see people doing that anymore, I guess because of the rules. But I, I guess it doesn't matter because I had a defensive line coach a long time ago. He used to say, look, you play as low to the ground as possible. And I said, Jacob. How the fuck am I supposed to see the ball if I'm looking at the ground? He said, you get flashes of it between people's legs. I said, that's not NFL football, man. You, you need to go somewhere else with that bullshit. But <laughs> it seems to work for him. He gets flashes of what everybody's going through the offensive line, and everybody's trying to get low and that type of thing. And he can see – I mean, Drew Brees is making a, a, a Hall of Fame living at it for 20 years. But Baker Mayfield figured it out. He has an idea. Of it. The offensive line in Oklahoma, when he played in college, they look like, like NFL linemen. He played. A, he played with the NFL offensive line, so he has a. He knows how to see it. He, had, he launches his arm really high when he throws the ball. He has a quick release, fast release, and he knows where the ball's going. It's unbelievable, man. No, I'm not, not surprised by it. He's. I'm he, not. 
you're not. All right, and he's not afraid, and he expects to win. All right, moving on. Lots of different things, Trevor. Let me ask you about the Dallas Cowboys, all right? So, for instance, they've got this alleged great offensive line. They've got this alleged great running back in Ezekiel Elliott. So what the hell is Jason Garrett doing punting on fourth and one from the opposition's 42 in overtime? No, that's called that's called CYA. Cover your ass. <laughs> he's trying to make, make it someone else's fault. If the defense does not hold up and they lose, he's like, well, our defense is going to hold up. You just punted the ball with eight inches to go. My God, you have a guard that you play $70 million. Attacker, you pay $70 million. Your center's out. You have a first-round draft pick as a, as, a, as a right guard, and you have probably the best guard in all of football playing right tackle. Your offensive line is legit. I can run behind the offensive line and get three yards of carry. When you can't, if you can't go for it on fourth down, I don't care where you are, and you have that kind of meat up front and that kind of back, that's it. he has sent a message to the entire world saying, we're not as good as you think we are. Because you're the head coach. He knows what happens every day in practice. So at some point in practice, those linebackers of his are, do, are doing something, are doing something to his offensive line that he does not see them being able to make that happen. Now, I see that. I see two messages. I see the one you just said, that we're not as good as we would appear. I don't believe in my guys. And the second message I see is, it doesn't matter what I do, they can't fire me. Or why would you make that call? Look, no, I understand C- uh, I understand CYA, but let me just ask you this, Trevor. I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking to get anybody fired. I'm not looking to take food off anybody's table. I understand this notion of CYA, but is this dude unfireable? Is he just a puppet that can stay as long as he wants, as long as he does what Jera tells him to do? All right, but we have to realize the Dallas Cowboys have had one losing season with him as head coach. And that's because Tony Romo, you know, back exploded when he got hit one time. Remember that. They've had one losing season. And I'm telling you, Jim, head coaches are not all cut from the same cloth. Some of them are smarter than others. It's just the way it is. Some of them have no business being a head coach. And some of them, like him, have been a lifer and he played the NFL. He understands it a little bit more than everybody else. So there's something he does inside that building with Jarrah running the running the franchise that makes him think he should be a head coach. His game planning, I'm not sure. Sometimes they did some really creative things down the hey, goal Trevor, line. And, Trevor, let me ask and, you this. He's a head coach. Help me he's with just this. not a brave one. Okay, yeah, okay. Help me with this. When you say that like he, he knows, right? This guy's smart. He's got an Ivy League background. He played in the league. So he does something which works for him. He does something that he knows what he should do. Is it that or is that something that he does essentially whatever Jared tells him to do? And unlike a Bill Parcells, will not push back and say, get the hell out of here. I'm the coach. Oh, yeah. Well, you do that, you're going to push your ass right out the goddamn building. Well, that's now, what I mean. There's, there's no greater job in America than playing for the Cowboys. That's like playing for the Yankees, right? So that's a coveted job. Think about this, Jim. Being a head coach of NFL, there's only 32 people that have that job. To be one of those 32 people is very, very powerful. So sometimes, I, you know, we had a, I had a teammate named Jared, Jared Johnson. And Jared used to say all the time, look at the coaches walking here with the assholes all tight. His ass got tight. And it happens. It is it is second nature because he did not want to be in this position to be two and three. That's not what he wanted. So his ass got tight. Decided to go for it on fourth down when you have all pros all around your goddamn offense, at least running the ball part of your offense. And he punted the ball and lost the game. So so th- th- there's a there's a human nature to what he did. I, like you said, we are not calling for the guy's job. I'm not going to do that because he signed up to go on a fourth down. But there's a you know imagine if they, he didn't go for a fourth down and they won the game. We'd be calling him a genius. So it can't be Monday morning quarterback. We're going to fire him because it didn't work. 
I, I'm Maybe not that looking, was the right call. Maybe I, it was the right call. You don't I, know. Well, I'm not looking to fire him at all. I just can't make any sense of them having that offensive line and that running back and needing a foot or a yard and not going for it on the other side of the field in overtime. Let me ask you something, Trevor. When you see, then players know, right? Players obviously know when they see, quote, a coach whose asshole is tight, what does that do to the rest of the team and how they prepare and how they play? Does that affect them? Oh, yeah. You know, it makes everybody tight. This happened to us all the time in the Ravens. Man. We go to a, a, a Pittsburgh game and all the coaches were like, you know, okay, let's go over it one more time. No, we got it. We got it. Now, Rex was the exact opposite. Y'all got it. Let's go home. You know what I mean? And that made you loose. And when you play loose, you play better. But when you have those big games and, you know, he's playing against Houston and it's in the, the Texas thing and, you know, it, it just get the moment got a little too big for him. What I'm not saying is he was right. He should have went for it, of course. But at the same time, the Cowboys have had one losing season with him as a coach. What he's, Whatever he's doing that we don't see uh-huh. makes him a head coach. So, okay, fair enough. Go back to your point about the Ravens. What was Pittsburgh week like when you played for the Ravens? Uh, you know, it was really funny because when I first got here, I knew nothing about it. I knew, I knew they were in the AFC North, of course, but I did not know those two teams and those two cities hated each other the way they do. Like, my wife to this day still hates the Steelers, and their entire family's from Pittsburgh. I'm like, okay, man, look, I don't play football anymore. Can we? Yeah, I mean, you can get off the Facebook. You can say hello to them. F them. They root for the Steelers. I'm like, look, we don't – that's not – I'm from Florida. I didn't grow up with a football team. Let's, let's not do that. You know what I mean? But the week of preparation was always trying to find whatever Bill, uh, Ben Roethlisberger did that we can get a, a beat on. And I'll tell you this now. I'll tell this in front of the entire world. We knew – about four years ago, five, no, five years ago, my last year with the Ravens, we knew when it was going to be pass or run where his left foot was. If his left foot was up in shotgun, it was run. If his left foot was back, it was pass, and it worked out 100%. How's that? And it doesn't work, in, it doesn't work now because I look at it, I watch him play now, and he's no longer doing it, so I guess somebody told him. Dude, how, that, that's an amazing story. How does a Hall of Famer have that obvious a tell and nobody knows it's, but you guys? It, it was it was literally like six inches. Like you had to really look at it. Cause and I'm like, okay, here's my thing. And I told and I told our defensive coordinator at the time, I said, oh, but I'm supposed to stand up, look at his fucking foot, then get back in my stance. What what do you do? Like what is how does that help me? Like it didn't help, but we just knew. But you know, somebody had to be looking at his foot and yell out run or yell out pass, and you know, it was you were right every time. It was amazing. Uh, that is amazing. All right, so let me ask you about the Raiders now. The Raiders are 1-4. and four. They should be 0-5. I'm going to say their season's already over. Can you imagine how nasty it's going to get in the black hole between now and their move to Vegas? You went up against them so many times over the years. Now that you're retired and you watch the Raiders, what do you think when you see them? That's the most boring fucking football team I've ever seen in my life. I don't understand how you have John Gruden, Beast Mode, Silver and Black, and they are milk toast. It is like, well, I don't know which way the team doesn't have an identity. And I'm going to tell you why. You know, John Gruden is a head coach. There's no question about it. He's a football mind. But he's a celebrity first. Those last, you know, 10 years doing Monday Night Football, it, is, it was like hiring Kim Kardashian to coach your football team. And I'm not kidding because I'm t- I'm sure, you know, Osemele uh, 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 and... Uh, Gabe Jackson, those big offensive linemen they paid, they were like, Gruden? You mean you mean the Monday Night Football guys are coming to coach us even though he won a Super Bowl and he was a great head coach? It's still a level of celebrity. It's almost like 
you know, uh, Mark Davis picked whatever's going to sell tickets rather than what's going to make our football team really good. Now, eventually he will figure it out. But right now we're still dealing with the celebrity of it. And right now when they go to practice, they still see John Gruner from Monday Night Football and Spider Y2 Banana. Yeah, so you, you know what the, I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, that, I, I, that's the issue right now. Trevor, I could see that when he first walked in the door, especially the younger guys. Maybe they only know him as that guy. But once he got in and started with all that bullshit about culture this, culture that, I roll out at 3.17 a.m. in the morning. Didn't that all change? Or when they look at this guy right now, do they still see the guy who was pimping wings and beer and showing up to work once a week? 1,000%. Because that, that never goes away. That I don't care. I don't care if you can sleep in the goddamn building as much as you want. You are still the Buffalo Wild Wings guy and the Corona beer guy and the Spider Y2 banana and the, the Bridgestone tire guy. You, like you will always be. It doesn't go away. And there's a sense of to me, at least when I watch them play, there's a sense of they're not taking it all that serious because you cannot have a quarterback who at one point they were saying was an MVP candidate, MVP candidate. Uh, like they have an offense that is vanilla and that is un, as uncreative a thing as I've ever seen. And they're the effing Raiders, for God's sakes. It does not work well. I don't know what they're going to do when they go to Vegas. They cannot take this shit with them to Vegas. They have to leave, whatever that is there. I mean, just railroad the rest of the season, but get an offensive coordinator in there from college to do something exciting other than what you're doing. I can't stand watching them. I can't stand it. It is awful. That's the worst thing you can say about any team, right? That they're boring, they're vanilla. Oh, I can't stand watching the, them. They're the Raiders, and you and, have a and, Monday Night Football coach, and you have Beast Mode. How are you boring? Right. They are and, boring. And Trevor, not only that, but in Vegas, right? I mean, there was so – no matter where you are, there's competition for ears and eyes and dollars. But in Vegas, of all places, you better give them a show. And what you're telling me is they're the most boring team you've ever seen. So they uh, better I, not bring I, that. But, Jim, am I lying? Have you watched them play? Like, Hell no, what, you're what not you, lying. Of course not lying. You go, what, I'm what agreeing you, with you. That you go, you go. Ah, that's cool. Like the Browns are the best show on TV. The Browns and the Rams are. The, I don't care what their record is. Are the best show on television. No, I said I agree with you. I, they are that, and I said the Browns are America's team. Let me tell you something. And I'm not a huge show guy. Like when I go to Vegas, I respect the shows. I I respect all that. When I go to Vegas, I like to get down. I like to gamble. I like to go to the sports book, and I like to get my grub on. But if I've got to see a show, let me tell you something. The way they're playing right now, I'm going to see Celine before I am the Raiders. And believe me, I ain't <laughs> well, going there. I, I, I believe it. Like I'm trying to go see Celine and, and J-Lo and all those shows but hey the Raiders are playing down the street in a new billion dollar coliseum Dude, F them you, I'm gonna see J-Lo yeah, actually I, I respect what you're saying I mean, when it comes to music I'm definitely not, look I'm not gonna argue with you about football I may push you a little bit but I'm not gonna argue with you but especially music since you ran your own record label what are you bumping right now what's in your car when you sit down if you have if you have Trevor time and it's just you what are you listening to yeah, funny enough, I listen to a lot of jazz music now. I, I'm, I am all. And, and you know what my favorite radio station on Sirius right now is? Willie's Roadhouse. Hmm. I've gotten into, I've gotten into old country music because the stories. I could take any of these old stories and make a complete movie out of them. It is unreal. I think at my old age, like I can't listen to the the, the, the hip hop my kids listen to and the trap music. I, I know how to make that stuff, but I can't be seen listening to it. And me and my my you know twelve year old son are bumping the same. Little Yachty song or whatever. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I ain't because my dad didn't do it. Like my dad wasn't listening to Public Enemy with me when I was in eighth grade. Did he? So Did I'm he? like, I'm not gonna do that. So I listen to everything else but that. I mean, when when they're not around, I might bump a little Kanye or something like that. But 
when they're around, I'm dad, and we're going to listen to Willie Willie Nelson's Roadhouse. That's what we're going to listen Trevor, to. Trevor, it's funny because I, I mentioned this. I mentioned this on my show that when I was growing up, my old man was from Boston, and he loved like that old old school jazz, not like smooth jazz, like you want to have sex too. But I mean that old school shit. And man, I hated that. It used to piss me off, and he'd just be all about it. And I'm like, Dad, this is like my childhood's wrecked. Like my life is ruined. I hate this shit. <laughs> He's like, Yeah, you think you think well when you get your own car and you get your own money, you can listen to whatever the hell you want. Man, I hated that. What I would have given, like I play my stuff for my kids, and they're the luckiest kids in the world. Oh yeah, well I play I play my stuff for my kids, and my kids are like, get the hell out of there with that. Yeah, you but get what, out of here but, with that but, shit. But, but what are you to. what are you what are you playing for them though? Country oh, now anything, or jazz? Any, any, anything they don't like. So oh no, we, we'll be getting into every summer a, a lot of yacht rock, and they they don't mind it. You know, okay. a lot of. You know, Steely Dan, like my oldest daughter loves Steely Dan now because dude, of what, all dude, the Dude, I'm so I glad you her. brought that up. I have to ask you that. I have to ask you this. Listen, oh, I, I'm like, I'm an alternative rock guy. I love punk rock, but I love classic rock. Dude, you know this to be true. The critics fucking love Steely Dan. Love no Steely reason. Dan. Dude, I never got that. I don't no get Steely Dan at all. What is that? I, you know, I, I, I try to listen to Donald Fagan's lyrics. Like, I try to listen to it, like, like get into it. And Black Cow is one of my favorite songs because of the groove and the hip-hop song that birthed it and all that type of thing. And I'm like, drink your big Black Cow and get out of here. I'm like, what are the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? But it sounds so great, and our entire family knows it. And you know what my son has gotten into? So my daughter got into Clash as well. My oldest daughter got into Clash. Dude, I would play this Clash, Radio Clash. Clash is oh, great. Clash is a shit, right? Great. So this is, this is Radio Clash is one of my favorite songs in the world. And so my daughter discovered the Clash because I would play it around the house all the time and this and the other. My youngest son right now, the Gorillas, is all he listens to. Ah. Like even more so than anything else, he listens to Gorillas all day long. Right. The new song that came out during the summer, um, um, I forgot, Humidity, like all of it. He just he is on repeat on his phone. So they got some of what I like, but the shit they listen to, I'm like, yeah, no, turn that off. I'm I like it. To that. Very then, eclectic. Jim, I, I let them listen to the curse versions. My 12 year old listens to the curse versions. Of all his favorite songs, because I spend my entire day cursing at him. So I'm like, I'm be hypocrite and say, "Hey, you can't listen to bad words, motherfucker." Like I can't, I can't do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's Mama say about that? Oh, Mom doesn't like it at all. But I'm like, <laughs> I would curse and she go, "Stop talking like that around the kids." I'm like, like fucking what? What I do? You know what I mean? So it doesn't go well. Trevor, look, I, I could talk to you about this the rest of the day, but Hawk across the glass will say he's going to start crying, so let me steer us back to what we're getting to, but we'll pick up music in our next episode, too. Let me ask you about Patrick Mahomes, because you've been on this guy since day one. He might be the freakiest guy in a league of freaks. What we didn't know, though, was a previously whack KC defense could show up and show out the way they did. They were one of the worst defenses in the NFL statistically coming in. What happened? Did did Blake Bortles remember that he was Blake Bortles, or is the KC defense <laughs> that good? Uh, some of that. You know, the funny thing is, Jim, Blake Bortles is one of my favorite players. And I, I'm going to tell you why. Why? I think it's connection. Um, so he went to UCF. UCF is around the corner from my house, right? I love I've UCF, seen, and, by the way. Right. right. Love no, them. Everybody, everybody love does them. now, but I remember when UCF sucked. And I remember him in college when he sucked. And the fact that a kid from UCF comes – and every school has – Every school has one, but he was like mine. You know what I mean? I'm like, the UCF kid is being picked by Jacksonville. I'm like, this is perfect. They're close. The towns are kind of built the same, small town, and he's just Blake Bortles. You know what I mean? And, and he, sometimes you got to call a spade a spade. He is Blake Bortles, and sometimes he throws the ball off a guy's helmet. It just happens. and You just kind of have to live with it, the good and bad. 
I'm not a mechanic, uh, a quarterback mechanic guru, but even I know the way he throws the ball is not right. <laughs> That's not right, man. That doesn't look right. You know what I mean? So he became Blake Bortles again. And I'm, and the thing that I read that Andy Reese said is we're not getting pushed around anymore. You know, three of those guys got thrown out the game. Right. Like three of the Chiefs got thrown out the game because they're like, yo, what you're not going to do, Jacksonville, you're supposed to be the big bad bully. It's coming here and bully us. That's not going to happen. And they punched the bully in the mouth. And you know what the bully in the mouth did? The bully threw the ball to the other guy. When you punch him in the face, they throw the ball to you. And that's what happened. That's one of my favorite takes you've had to date. When you punch a guy in the face, they throw the ball to the other guy. And that is exactly, exactly what happened. So what's their upside? What is, is Kansas City now a bully? And are they the best team in the NFL right now? That's, the, that's without question. And they're going to become a bully. That's the thing. You, you know, you're not, some people are born a bully. Some, bully, some bullied. Some people are bullied into becoming a bully, right? And I think that's what's going to happen to KC. I think they look at this Jacksonville win like, no, we're the tough guys. It's not because our quarterback has a goddamn slingshot for an arm. No, we're tough guys. You know what I mean? And look, Justin Houston is a tough guy. Justin Houston's a $100 million outside linebacker from Georgia. Tough guy. He's a hundred, and he showed up in a big way. D Ford, Auburn outside linebacker, is a tough guy. You know, these these are these are guys going to start show up. The doctor that plays off that plays right guard for them is a big tough guy, and they're going to start. I think they're going to start shoving people around now. They're going to start feeling themselves a little bit. It's one thing to out to, to out trick people, and you know our quarterback spins around and flings the ball like it's like it's traveling time or whatever. Another thing, just line up and we're going to beat your head in, and that's what they did to a team that 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 um, that. It prides himself on doing that to other people. Right, exactly. Trevor, is there anything funnier than the notion that the Falcons were going to be the first team to host the Super Bowl? I mean, is there a bigger underachiever or a more overrated crew than that one right now? And I'm going to tell you something. And I've been saying this for a long time. Even when they went to the Super Bowl, Matt Ryan is just a guy. He is just a guy. He is just a guy that, that, that happens to be playing. Like, somebody has to play quarterback. So, yeah, you could do it. Why not me? He, he is, I mean, there's nothing elite about him. The rest of the team, though, the defense is small. The defense is fast. Um, I don't know what's happened to Vic Beasley. You know, he had 14 sacks a couple years ago. He seems to not want to show up right now. Um, their left tackle, the, um, uh, the kid that Matt, Clay Matthews, Bruce, I think it's Bruce Matthews' kid. He is soft. He is a turnstile. They have some real toughness problems on their team. Now, anytime you, if you have Julio Jones, you have a chance. You just throw the ball up to Xerxes, and he figures out a way to make something happen. But you can't keep throwing to him if he's double covered. I think if I play quarterback and I had Julio Jones, they pay me $15 million a year because I'm throwing it in his general direction one out of every four throws. Hey, Trevor. And that's what, that's what he's doing. That's what you, Matt Ryan is can, doing. Can you, can he you, is just a guy. All right, I was going to ask you about that. Can you really call a guy who won the MVP award just a guy? He did 1, win the MVP award. 1,000% I could call him just because I watch the tape. I watch it. I watch him play. I'm, I'm telling you that the throws that he makes are NFL caliber throws. They are, they are like, what I say by it, what I mean by that is there's somebody open 15 yards that is running a, a, a square in and you hit the guy in the stride. He, I've said this from the very beginning. There's nothing about him that I look at and I go, he's either ultra competitive or ultra tough, or I mean, he might be ultra smart. I don't know that, but when I, when I watch him play, I just, 
I've never seen it, even when he was MVP. I've never seen it. Like, in other words, what you're telling me is there's nothing unique about this guy. There's nothing this guy does that other guys can't do. Not a goddamn thing. Let me tell you something, Jim. When when, when a team um, does seven-on-seven in practice, right, when we get rid of offensive line and it's just the backs and receivers and linebacks and DPs kind of playing backyard football, even though they're running plays, I've not seen a quarterback at, at no team I've been on at no part of depth chart not tear up a defense in seven on seven. I'm talking about guys they bring off the street because there's no pass rush in front of them. There's nobody to uh, to rush the ball. There's nobody to make it go faster. So they a quarterback gets to stand back there and read the fields. He knows how to stand there and read the fields, which I've seen a thousand quarterbacks do. Uh-huh. There's nothing about it. I'm telling. I've said that from. I said it when he was MVP. I said it after I watched him. When he was drafted. He is just a guy. All right, Matt Ryan, just a guy. Before we move on to your waiver wire selection, prices, picks, final thoughts, I want to ask about the Giants. Now, also on the NFL and CBS, I did something, Trevor, about the state of New York football. Your former team, the Broncos, made me look really bad because I piled on the Jets. But I want to ask you about the Giants. Odell Beckham did an interview with ESPN, and he was asked if Eli Manning was the issue with their crappy offense. And he said, quote, he didn't know. What do you think first about Odell Beckham saying that on record on ESPN? And then secondly, is Eli the problem? Uh, Let me answer the second question first. That's a yes. He is a problem. But the bigger problem is when when, when CBS or ESPN or ABC or anybody goes to a team and says, here's the guys we want to talk to. Everybody wants to talk to Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants need to start saying no. They said, no, you can't talk to him this week. No, we're not doing that. No more interviews. Because when he goes out there, he's a he's a diva wide receiver. And I hate saying that because it's the it's the the common thing to say, but it's correct. Odell Beckham cares about Odell Beckham first. And that's fine. The best ones usually do. And if he cares about himself, if he cares about himself that much and wants to play that hard because he wants his numbers, then we will win. I don't give a fuck. But I'm telling you, as a person on the outside of that building, I know how those conversations go. And Odell Beckham got caught in the goddamn vortex, and he took the cheese, and he the whole thing with Adam Akbar, it's a trap! He took the trap. He just walked right into it, and nobody helped him get out. So that is the, that is the problem, because what he said is correct. Eli Manning is the problem, because they got him a left tackle. They got him a playmaker to run it back. They got him a 4-3 running tight end. They got him Odell Beckham. And the, thing, the worst thing about it, Jim, is the fact that Odell Beckham's behavior is rubbing off on other guys. You see Sterling Shepard on the sideline sure. going nuts and kicking the guy. Who the hell are you? Sit down. Sit down. Nobody wants to watch you do it. And Odell Beckham's like, hey, man, calm down. I'm like, what kind of shit show is this? That, that look. It's a giant shit show. It's a giant shit show. It's hilarious to me. Like, all of it is. And, you know, they play in a big media market and they're all looking for attention. Like, I, I know what that looks like. It's a disaster. They're getting it. Let me take a moment so I can talk to you about Dickies. Dickies, the number one brand in performance workwear, knows work is more than just what you do, it's who you are. And just like professional athletes, your work is judged by how you perform on the job. That's why Dickies Flex Work Pants and Shirts are engineered to give you superior mobility, advanced protection, and enhanced durability. Plus, Dickies Flex is backed with Dickies Unconditional Satisfaction Guarantee, so you know that the Flex Series is made to work as hard as you do. 
Dickies Flex, engineered to move, engineered to last. Learn more at dickies.com. Once again, dickies.com. Time now for One Man's Fantasy, where Jim and Trevor tell you what one man you have to add to your fantasy team this week. All right, RPO fam, time now to hit that waiver wire together in a segment that we call One Man's Fantasy. In fact, Trevor came up with that himself. Right here, right now, TP and I will both tell you the one man that you should go and claim in your league for next week's matchup. Now, last week, Trevor told you to get Colts running back Naheem Hines, start him against the Pats, and I hope you listen because Hines went for 90 yards from scrimmage with seven receptions, which would have been high double-digit points in a PPR league. Great advice from Trevor right there. Now, for my part, I told you to get Tariq Cohen and stash him on your bench because the Bears have a bye this week. Look for that to hit Sunday in Miami. Let's get to our waiver wire pickups for the week. Trevor, who are you going out and claiming for week six? Marquez Valdez-Sketling. I have no idea where he came from, but anytime you get all those targets from Aaron Rodgers, means two things. Randall Cobb is out for at least another two weeks, and Aaron Rodgers trusts him from what they did in practice. He's going to see the ball a bunch the next two weeks. You know what? Actually, I like that point. You're right. That means he trusts a young guy, and he did see the ball quite a bit last week. So we'll look for that. Myself, I'm going to go with Kiki QT, Texans wide receiver. I love this guy because finally he's healthy. He showed up. He showed out last week against the Colts. 11 receptions, 109 yards, and then against a pretty good defensive team in the Cowboys, six receptions, 51 yards, and a TD. This guy has serious playmaking ability, and with DeAndre Hopkins getting most of the double teams, Deshaun John Watson, if they can keep him upright, is going to look for a way to get him the ball. Now, wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I got I to gotta make this point. So Deshaun Watson gets hit 15 times in, that, in the Cowboys game. He did. I understand that. Did you see Jalen Smith run and hit Deshaun Watson? I did. Did you see how fast he was running? Yeah, man. Like, what happened to the drop foot and his blown out knee? I've never seen any, like, listen, I love geeking out on what, on what athletes can do. I've I haven't seen that since Lavar Arrington. I mean, he was he picked them up and put them down so effing fast. Jerry got that one right. You know what? I'm glad that you brought that up. I mean, was that dude's career not over or at least in jeopardy? Oh, How in the world? It was over. And and like Jerry picked he was a second round pick on the kid. So sometimes Jerry gets that shit right. You know what I mean? So that's why I give him benefit of the doubt because when when Jalen when Jalen Smith took off sideways when he saw Deshaun Watson who runs a four five, when he got there he got there with violence and he got there with a suddenness that should not come from a guy that blew out his knee and his nerves wouldn't fire. No, and I don't and I don't want to keep giving Jared more credit, but did that cat not have to reteach himself even how to walk? How to walk? How to run? And Jerry was like, no, second round pick. He'll be fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean he'll be fine? Yeah, that's something else. Yeah, man, that's something else. See, man. We're, I... look, we're good like that. You and I, we can take runs at people, but when they deserve credit, we give that to them. Shit. And I'm glad you brought Shit. that up. I'm glad you brought that up. And now, Price's Picks. All right now, as we do every single episode, 
We got to close things out with Price's picks. Now, Trevor won two Super Bowls. Trevor played 14 years in the NFL. What he thinks about these things matters a lot. He picks the Monday night game. He picks the Thursday night game against the spread, and he does it here for free. Trevor, it is not easy to pick these games, but so far, you're four, three, and one through four episodes. First off, how are you feeling about your performance so far? Uh, not too bad. If uh, if if the Browns would have done a couple more things, I think I'd be better off. But I, I'm I I feel pretty confident going into this week. I All feel right. damn confident, to be honest. You always do, man. You roll out of bed feeling damn confident. Let's see if we can get this thing to six, three, and one, and that would look really, really good on paper. Redskins in New Orleans as six-point underdogs to the Saints. Who do you like here? Uh, Saints cover easily. Have you watched Michael Thomas play football? Like they they rolled out some some stat about he's like the best wide receiver over the last three years or whatever he was drafted how many targets and you know, not dropping the ball I mean they were rattling off and I was like why is nobody talking about this kid more as the best receiver in football and then I watch him play it's legit I think on that turf him Alvin Kamara it's just too much the defenses know how to, they know how to pass rush because because everybody's gonna be playing from behind so they have to get up to their quarterback. I think the Saints are just too much for the Skins tonight. Trevor, Saints, minus six. Write that down. All right, Thursday night, you've got a divisional matchup between a couple of teams that are having trouble. The Eagles are in Jersey to play the Giants. Vegas has got them as two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Do you like the Eagles to win by at least three, or are the Giants going to keep it within at least two? Eagles by three, because the Eagles are going to find a way to play with like their hairs on fire. Jay Ajayi went out and called out the coaches. Like, um, oh, the play calling makes no sense. That's funny because the play calling didn't make sense to Super Bowl leader either. And guess what? They won a goddamn trophy. So it, it's it's a thing that they need to fix inside. Philly's having a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover. Like, I've been a part of this. And it takes a really old team. Like, after we won our first Super Bowl, we won our second one. We had John Elway and, and Shannon Sharp. So we are a really veteran team. The Eagles aren't a veteran team. Their quarterback is six years removed from high school, for God's sakes. Right? So they have some things to work out there, but I think they're going to play like their hair's on fire because they know they have to win this Thursday. The Giants, even if they play great, they will find a way to lose by three. They will find a way. Eagles. Whatever it is, we'll find a way to lose by three. Giants on three. One, two, three. Eagles minus two and a half. All right, that's going to do it for us. Five weeks of the NFL, five episodes of the RPO podcast. Trevor, Really quickly, you and I had this conversation before we started this, and you said, my family is sick of hearing what I have to say about football. Are you having a good time with the RPO podcast? I, I am. I am. Fun enough, my, my kids listen to it, and they go, and they come and ask me questions later on. And I'm like, okay, what did I say? I was unconscious. What 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 I do? Huh? What? <laughs> so it, I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. Funny enough, somebody's listening to it. As long as somebody's listening to all this shit I got to say, I, I could do this forever. Oh man, you got you got an audience. You got an audience, and it's growing every single week. And this is how we do it. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter throughout the week with your thoughts on what you just heard. I'm at Jim Rome. He's at Trevor underscore Price. Price is with a Y. P R Y C E. And while you're there, do us a solid. Subscribe to the pod. Review the pod. Share the pod. All these things help us grow it, and it gets Trevor a bigger audience. As always, thank you very much for listening. We will be right back here next Monday for episode six. Trevor, great job. Have a great week and i will check you out a week from today awesome man thanks guys all right y'all see you next time we're out